Hey, Pathway. Good to be here with you. We love Pastor Marty and Miss Julie. And uh, we've heard so many great things about you guys. I can't believe you're in three services now. Wow. And uh, I got to thinking about your worship. You have incredible worship. I mean, anytime you can worship the Rascal Flats, I mean, they sound incredible up here. If you don't know who Rascal Flats is, just don't worry about it. But uh, great worship, great, great, great church, great history. I love what God's doing here. And uh, Sandy and I have been married 37 years. We have three grown and married children. Uh, any of you have grown and married children? You can say amen to that, you know. No. Empty nesting is a wonderful thing, but I tell you, we miss our kids. And we're just blessed, so blessed, and so blessed to be here today. Well, I want to talk to you today about your calling. When you think about things like a calling, it's usually you're doing, you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden God calls you to ministry, and you leave what you're doing, and you become, you know, a, a pastor or something. Well, that's not necessarily what I mean when I say your calling. And uh, sometimes we hear God's calling, and we think he said one thing when he really said another, you know. Maybe he said exercise, and you thought he said extra fries, you know. You never, we kind of miss it, you know. But I believe God has a calling for every one of us. And I want to talk to you about it today. And we're going to start the message off by going to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at the calling God placed on Moses' life. So I believe he wants to say a few, few words to us out of that, and then we'll go on from there. But beginning in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to a far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Horeb's an interesting place. Today, we call it Mount Sinai. It was called Mount Horeb in this passage. It goes on to say, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to take a look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Now, the call of Moses is pretty amazing. Now, the story starts way back in Egypt. Moses grew up there, grew up uh, uh, in Pharaoh's household. You probably know the story. But, it, but later on in life, Moses left Egypt and traveled all the way on the other side of the Red Sea to this place called Midian, found his wife, married a wife, had a family, everything's going fine. He's, he's, he's tending to his father-in-law's sheep, and this is when God calls him. Now, when, when God starts speaking to you in the middle of an everyday situation and you know something's changing, it can really make an impact on your life. I mean, why would Moses leave there? He had everything he needed. He had a job. He had a family. He had a future. Why would he leave there and risk his life to go back to Egypt? This story is a beautiful story of evangelism. Think about it. Moses met with God on the mountain of Horeb. I mean, God met him there. The holiness of God came there, and it changed his whole life. God met him there. Then he leaves the mountain of God where he met God, and he goes all the way back to Egypt. Egypt's a picture of the world. He goes all the way back to Egypt to rescue the children of God, and what's he do with them? He brings them back to the mountain of God where he met God. I mean, is that not what we're called to do? We're called to get with God, get a changed life, go reach those people that have never been changed and bring them into that relationship we have with God, right? Beautiful picture of evangelism. But let's pick up the story in verse 7. Excuse me, verse 5. 
says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now he goes on to talk about all the different uh, giants in the land and all the people that lived in the land, all these armies of people. Let's pick it up in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way of the Egyptians. They're impressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You see, when God has a plan, if you remember, it says God was grieved. God was the one who saw the misery of the people, his people in Egypt. But when God sees that, he has a plan to go rescue them. But when God has a plan, he sends a man. Isn't that interesting? Why didn't God go himself? I mean, God could have just fallen in a cloud or in a fire. He could have called all the bushes to burn. But why did he do it? I'll tell you why. Because when God has a plan, he sends a man. When God's got a big plan, he sends a woman. How many can say amen to that, right? <laughs> when God's got a plan, he sends a man. God's got a plan for Longview, Texas. You say, yeah, yeah, Pastor Marty's doing a great job. Marty, Pastor Marty's just doing his part. We all have a part to play. I believe there's a call of God for every one of us. Now, God may not appear to you in a burning bush, but he will come to you and communicate to you that you have a purpose and that you have a plan and that your plan's connected to his plan. Do you believe that? I believe that so strongly. You know, you might just be minding your own business like, like Moses. Actually, he was minding his father-in-law's business, but he was minding his own business when God showed up. And that's what I'm praying for you. I was a teenager when God showed up. I was uh, about 16 years old. I was in a youth prayer meeting. We were praying for our city. We were praying for our friends. I was down under a folded chair just praying and asking God to fall on my high school. And all of a sudden, God called me to the ministry. He said, all right, I'll fall on your high school, but I'm going to do it through you. And God began to call me to the ministry. I had dreams and visions and saw myself preaching in front of I was scared to death. And I saw myself preaching in a vision to thousands of people. Never dreamed what God was going to do and take us around the world. But I'm telling you, God's got a call that'll fit just you. You might be a teenager. You might be 85 years old. I met a man a few weeks ago, 85 years old. He started his ministry at 84. How about that? If you got gray hair, get ready. I'm telling you, God may not be through with you yet. You have a calling. Let me show you a verse. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. We all know this verse as the Great Commission. But I want to call it today the Great Calling, because listen how it fits every one of us. It doesn't just fit missionaries. doesn't just fit pastors. It fits housewives. It fits teachers. It fits coaches. It fits students. Listen to it. Starting in verse 18, Jesus says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me, let me just say it like this. 
You want to know where God is? He says, I'll be with you to the end of this. You, you want to know where God is? He's right in the middle of people who are taking the good news to somebody else. He said, we're going to go and we're going to take it to the nations. Now, when we think about that, we think, oh, yeah, God calls missionaries and they go to Africa and they go to Honduras and so forth. You got a very mission-minded pastor and some of you have probably been on short-term trips. But can I just remind you that we are also a nation? Can I remind you Longview, Texas is part of this nation? And when God calls us to go, sometimes it's not to another nation. Sometimes it's across the street. Sometimes it's across the hallway to somebody living in your house. We're called. We're called to carry this good news. We have a divine purpose, and we've got to discover what that purpose is. You're connected to God. You're flesh and blood. Listen, you're family. You're connected to the Father. And if we don't find out what our calling is, we'll settle for a cause because it's in you to do something bigger than you. And if you don't lock into God's plan for your life, you'll fall short and find something else because it has just maybe a, a little bit of fulfillment in it. But God's got a place for you. He's got a calling. First of all, he's called you to be a witness. You say, oh, I, don't, I don't like that part. You know, because when we think about being a witness, we think about going out on the street and talking to strangers about Jesus. and We just don't have courage for that, not even a desire for that. I mean, that's probably the last thing my wife likes to do. I love it, but she, she, she's not wired that way. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going to witness. I'm talking about being a witness. I'm talking about being a biblical witness. You say, what are you talking about? Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are walking into the, the temple, and as they're walking in the temple, there's a crippled man there. He's begging for alms, and they say to him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and he walks. So basically, they didn't give him silver or gold. They gave him what they had, and what they had was the presence of God. And the presence of God, as they touched him and spoke into his life, healed him. And, and it was such a disturbance in all the, the temple and in the city. Uh, they get, the, Peter and John get arrested for it. So I'm going to pick the story up in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Listen to this. So they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. I love this next verse. It says, For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. That's the best definition of being a witness I've ever read. Because basically it's this. You see a car wreck, and you, you've got to tell the police officer what you saw and what you heard. You're just a witness. So being a witness means you're talking about what you've seen and what you've heard. We've all seen some things that God did. We've all heard some things that God has said. And if you haven't seen anything, begin to pray and ask him. And if you haven't heard anything, begin to pray and ask him because all he's asking us to do is, hey, everywhere you go, tell people what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. It's a beautiful picture. That's one of the main things we're called to do. But we're not just called to do it, we're called to be it. You see, we're not only called to be a witness into, of what we've seen and heard, but we're called to be God's representative to the world around us. If you could picture it being more like conduit or a riverbed, he just, he's just looking for someone that'll let him flow. I love that concept because that means every one of us in here has a role to play. Matter of fact, if you're sitting next to an empty seat, tag you're it. 
It's your new assignment to fill that empty seat by the end of the year. You say, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you something. The best church growth model I've ever seen is you. Just go love somebody. Just go tell them where you got fed. Just go tell them where you got touched. Tell them about the music. Say, you know, the preacher last week said our band sounds like Rascal Flatts. Talk to somebody who loves country music. You know what I'm saying? But tell them what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them about your pastor. Tell them about how God's touched your life. You understand what I'm saying? Be a witness, but be God's representative. Let me give you a verse. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says it like this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. Say doing good. And then it says, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, Pastor Marty and I have done some mission work around the world. Uh, one of the cities that we were in, in Honduras, the mayor of the city met us, and they called him the Patronado, which basically means the father of the village. And we would go into these villages that no one had ever preached in the village. Man, that's fun. I mean, some Catholicism had touched down there, but as far as hearing the gospel preached, most of them had never heard. And so the ministry we were working for would drill water wells because these villages had no fresh water. And the mothers and the daughters would have to go for miles at a time to go get water from the river, and that water was contaminated. You know the story. And so this ministry we worked for drilled water wells in the village. And so the the mayor of the village met us that first day to thank us for the water well. And then we were going to go house to house and hut to hut. We had backpacks on our back, and we had food in our backpacks, and we had shoes for children and toys for children. And we were going house to house, and we knock on the doors, and through an interpreter, we were sharing our faith and why we were there and, and letting them know about the water well. And it was an amazing time. But we noticed that this mayor of the village w- was slumped over, and he kept he kept rubbing his back and he couldn't stand up and he was talking about the pain and so we asked him how long you been like this and he said about six weeks he said i injured my back and i can't stand it well here in the u.s we go to the chiropractor we take meds they didn't have that so we just said to him hey could we pray for you and he's like you know he did not a lot of faith in his eyes so he's just like well yeah sure and so we laid hands on him and, and prayed for him and then we went on about our merry way that night He came to the crusade walking straight up. Now listen to me. God healed this lost man. And when God healed this lost man, he was real open to the Jesus we were preaching. You know what I'm saying? And that night he gave his heart to the Lord. We watched that kind of thing happen over and over and over. And you say, yeah, 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 but you're a preacher. No, listen, I'm just one of you, man. I'm an old country boy God got a hold of. If God can get a hold of me, God can get a hold of you. He's just looking for somebody to put his image in and his presence in and use. You know people, Pastor Marty doesn't know. You know people that'll listen to you. They'd never listen to a preacher, but they'll listen to you. What's God up to? God wants you to go around doing good and healing because God's with you. You know, I said a moment ago, you want to know where God is? God's in the middle of you loving people. God's in the middle of you sharing your faith. God's in the middle of you being like Jesus to the people around you. Because we're not just called to be God's representative. Listen, we're called to embody the message. You say, what are you talking about? Let me read you a couple verses. Romans 3.23 is a verse that we use a lot when we witness to people, but I want to use it for a different reason today. Listen to it. It says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Listen to this verse. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory. That word glory is so important. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is this about? You see, God's called us to embody the message. Here's what I'm talking about. The word glory is an interesting word. If you look it up in the dictionary, one of the definitions of the word glory is basically just heavy. It's like a heavy cloud. It's like when God met with Moses and the children of Israel on the, on the mountain and the cloud of God came and fire came out of it and lightning and so forth. But the glory, the heavy, it basically is the congealed presence of God. Another way to put it is this. Take all the attributes of God you can think of, his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness, his favor, his provision, his healing, everything that you could imagine the good, good father being, everything God is, the glory of God is every attribute of God poured out all at one time. How many of us could say, I need some of that? But we don't just need it for ourselves. We need it to be a witness. We need to embody the message. Basically, it's not just saying the right things, but it's carrying the right heart. It's carrying the right presence. And it's carrying the power behind it all. That's what I'm talking about. Glory. Listen to me. God's been chasing you down your whole life. We've all been sinners. And God's been chasing us down our whole life to put the glory back. Are you listening to me? We all need more of God's presence for our, for our sanity, for our healing, for our wholeness. I mean, we are jerks without Jesus. Every one of us. And if you don't think you are, then you're an arrogant jerk. Come on. We all have sinned and we all need the glory. We all need the presence of God. But it's not so we can put it on a shelf and call it a trophy. It's because we need it to be a witness. We've got to embody the message. Is anybody listening to me? God's wanting to put the glory back. So not only are you called, second, second of all, you've been gifted. Now, you may not know what gifts you have. Maybe you've never really opened it. How, how funny would it be or weird would it be to get this awesome Christmas present and your kids say, did you like it? And you say, well, hadn't opened it yet. I love surprises. I'm hanging on. Daddy's been 12 years. When are you going to open the present? You know, that would be stupid. God's given us gifts and some of you have never opened it. You're afraid if you open the gift of God, he's going to send you to Africa, Right? Well, I've been to Africa. It's a wonderful place. The people are great. It doesn't matter where he sends you and what he does. You will not be fulfilled in life unless you're walking out your calling. You have gifts. We're pretty familiar with the gifts of God mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. I just want to mention them for just a minute because I want you thinking along this line. But the gifts that are mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts that God's given us for ministry are these. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, Gifts of healing, working of miracles. Can you imagine if you've got a gift of the working of miracles and you've never opened it? And one day you just decide that grandbaby's not going to live unless I pray. And you pray and all of a sudden that gift of a work of miracle happens right there in front of your eyes. Come on, somebody. We've got to open those gifts. We've got to get acquainted with them. We've got to learn how to walk with them. Go on. So you've got the working of miracles. You've got prophecy. Yeah, I don't know if it was a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or prophecy when Jesus sat down with that woman at the well and began to talk to her. But whatever it was changed her life. He said, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And she looked at him and said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Can you imagine what would happen at Walmart 
when you're in the line with a lady and all of a sudden God just starts talking to you about her and her family and you just start, listen, you may have an incredible gift of prophecy or an incredible gift of the word of knowledge. You know things. Some of you sit in, in, in crowds like this or, or you're watching TV and all of a sudden you just know stuff you shouldn't even know. Because you've got a word of knowledge. God wants to use that gift he gave you to bring people into the kingdom. Do you believe that? It's true. Working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. Ever heard people say, man, you know, I I just have this gift of discernment. It's called discerning of spirits. Sometimes people just control my spirits and you, you pick up on it. My wife has that. She can pick up on what's really going on, what's really there under the surface. You've got different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Every one of these verses, yeah, there, there's probably usefulness at, in church for them, but the biggest reason we need them is outside the church. Even the old fearful gift of tongues, the Bible says that's not a gift for the believer. It said that's, a, that's for a sign and a wonder to the unbeliever. That's crazy. Why would you speak in tongues in front of lost people? The craziest thing in the world, but used properly, the Bible says, is a sign and a wonder. It basically, all these gifts show them God's still alive. He's still alive and well. So you've been gifted. But I want to talk to you about another gift God's given you that all of these fit into and pour into. We've got to receive this next gift and live it out. Here it is. I'm going to read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 18, this gift is offered to every one of us. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given, say given. If it's given, it's a gift, right? So it says, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You say, what is that? He goes on to tell us. He says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing or passing down their transgressions or trespasses to them, but it says, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We carry around inside of us a word, a word to reconcile. Is it what's reconciliation? Let me give you a definition. The word reconciliation means to call back into union. It also means to restore. It means to restore to friendship and to restore to affection. So it's not, it's, it's a pretty deep word. It's restoring people to the families, what it is. Another definition is favor, restoring them to favor after they've been estranged, after they've been cut off. So many people in this world feel so cut off. They're just looking for family. And yet we carry around with us this ministry of reconciliation. God wanting to reconcile the world through us. Let me read on. It says in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Do you get that picture? God pleading through us. God trying to reach. Remember I said when God God has a plan, he, he calls for a man. When God wants to do something on earth, he wants to do it through us. It says here, God himself wants to plead through us. It says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. God wants to use us for reconciliation. Now, there's a lot of talk today about racial reconciliation. I I, I hate the history of our nation where where people have been abused, especially the races. 
But can I just tell you something? We're never going to see racial reconciliation until people get reconciled to God. Because when people get reconciled to God and their hearts get right with God, all of a sudden your family just got real big and you don't care what color people are. Because you've been reconciled to God and you realize that red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sights more than just a song. It's the heart of God. I want to see racial reconciliation. But I know we got to see people get reconciled to God. And here's what God said. I want people reconciled to me. Therefore, I give you this gift. Go do it. I had a nephew one time. He's, he's away from God. And he said to me at Thanksgiving, around the Thanksgiving table, he said, I, I just, I, I really struggle with God. And I said, why? He said, look at all the starving world, starving people in the world. Look at all the children that are suffering in the world. How can he be a loving God? And all these children are suffering and all these children are, 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 are starving around the world. How could it be a loving God? And I said, oh, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. God left us with something to do. God left us to tend to the garden. God left us to reach. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. If somebody's starving, we're supposed to feed them, right? If someone's hurting, we're supposed to help them, right? God can't, God could do it any way that he wants to. He chooses to do it through us. He says, reconciling, pleading through us. You've been given a gift. Not only have you been called, you've been given a gift for that calling. Not only have you been given a gift, but I love this last part. You've also been empowered. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses. Remember I said to you a moment ago, I'm not talking about going to witness. I'm talking about being a witness. Let me just ask you this. When people hang out with you, do they see enough Jesus to convince them you know him? God's calling us to a new level. He really is. I want more of the presence of God in my life. Recently, I prayed. I said, God, I want more anointing. I want more of your presence in my life. And here's what I believe I heard him say. Why? What are you going to do with it? You don't have enough time for the anointing you have. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized, why am I asking for more anointing and more healing power, this power we're talking about being a witness? Why am I asking for more? I think my heart's right. I want to see God touch more people in a deeper way. But I'm going to tell you, Moses is calling, pulled him off that mountain pretty fast and gave him a whole new direction for his life. Is that the reason why we don't ask for more? Sandy and I laugh sometimes about those songs that ask for the fire of God, the fire of God. We're like, no, I'm not, I'm not singing that song. Last time I sang for the fire of God, I got burned, you know. But I'm telling you, the sweetest place to be in life isn't just in the center of God's will, but it's partnering with God, touching people's lives. And there's still people yet to be touched. And they're going to be touched through you. We need power. I got to reading that. Power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. And it just hit me one day. You don't need power to talk. You might need courage to talk. That's why Acts 4.31 says, And when they'd prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness. I believe the Holy Spirit will even tell you what to say. I've been in situations before where I saw someone, and I knew the Holy Spirit was drawing me toward them, and I didn't have a clue what I was going to say. And I'm going to tell you, right before I got up there to them, about all I knew to say was, 
Hey, how's it going? And then the Holy Spirit would come. Sometimes you don't even know what to say. You just know you're drawn to that individual. But when you start talking to people about their life, asking how they're doing, you can tell them right up front why you're asking. I was just minding my own business, and when I saw you, my, my heart was burdened. You, you okay? You having a hard day? Is everything all right? And just open the conversation. You can do that. You do it about things that you, you love to talk about. Ladies will talk about their makeup. They'll talk about their fingernail polish. They'll talk about their shoes. Guys, we'll talk about it. our newest gun or something we bought. or you know, We'll walk up to guys we don't even know and say, Dude, where'd you get those tires? That's the greatest looking truck I've ever seen. <laughs> and guys said, oh, Yeah, I thought so too. It's not my truck. I was looking at, you know, whatever. <laughs> Just use everyday life. Use everyday life to get into their heart. You know what would be awesome is for people in town to say, you know what, those people from Pathway Church, they love people. So what you're looking for is an open door to love, an open door to care, an open door where you can make a difference. We were recently in Mississippi. There's a church there that's like that. When Hurricane Katrina hit, they were the number one church that the state turned to to distribute water and food and blankets and, and tarps for roofs. And, man, they were right in the thick of it all when Katrina hit. And, and everybody in the city now knows that church is a loving, caring church of action, you know? We were going through there a few weeks ago, and Hurricane Harvey, which is a Texas problem, right? Hurricane Harvey was, was just destroying the coast of Texas. And this church in Mississippi was loading a truck. Wow! It was pouring down rain. As a matter of fact, there were, there were bands of Harvey coming through their city, and they call it a train. I mean, it was just rain after rain. And they were out there packing that truck in the middle of the rain, trying to get it ready to send it down there. There are little things like that. I, I brag on my wife all the time. I, I tell people she's a better pastor than I am. The other day, there were three people we knew in the hospital. And she stopped in the middle of her busy schedule and got on the Internet and ordered something to go to those hospital rooms. And I love the way she thinks. We love flowers, but I like hot cookies instead. You know what I mean? And sending something that they would be blessed by. It doesn't take a lot of time to love somebody. You might be sowing a seed. You might be watering a seed. You might be one day from harvesting a seed. But loving people to Jesus is what it's about. You're called to do it. You're gifted to do it. But you're empowered to do it. Why would we set on the power and not use it? Last year, a friend of mine that lives near our, our campus, we, we, we pastored the Gateway Church over in Grand Prairie, if you know where Grand Prairie is, and we were visiting with one of our members, and he said, man, you're not going to believe what my neighbor just bought. Like, what are you talking about? He said, let's drop by there. I want to show it to you. So we drop by this guy's house, and the guy raises his garage door, and there sat, I don't remember if it was 1977 or 1978. I do know wh where it came from. It was a black Trans Am. The original owner was Burt Reynolds. The guy bought Smokey and the Bandit car from Burt Reynolds sitting in his garage. I mean, we're just like, oh, my goodness. Of course, if you're about 40 or under, you may not even know what I'm talking about. But, wow, we're just we're looking at this car. I mean, you're talking muscle car of the 70s, right? I mean, I remember a friend of mine had one in high school, and we were all just like, wow, you know. And so, so I said, man, 
is it incredible? He said, it's all souped up for the movie. It's so fast. I said, have you driven it? He went, no. I said, why haven't you driven? He said, well, it's not street legal here. I said, well, get it straight. He said, no. I said, why? He said, no, it's just for show. And I'm thinking, that kind of power just for show? And it hit me. Oh, my goodness. That's what's happened to us. God's power for show. Just sitting in a garage, sitting in an easy chair. Ah, let somebody else. Come on. You've been called. I'm not sharing this with you today to make you feel bad. I'm going to tell you something. You tap into your calling. If you don't tap into your calling, you'll settle for a cause. Because it's in you to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. God put it in our hearts. That's our Father. We're like him. It's in your heart to give. It's in your heart to do. You say, man, this miracle stuff makes me nervous. Well, just give what you can. Let, leave the miracle stuff to God. I'm going to read you a story, and then I'm done. I love these kind of things, these kind of stories. This came out of a newspaper in Omaha, Nebraska. Some of you have heard this before, but just touched my heart this last week. This actually happened in Indianapolis. Listen to it. It says, The young father stood in line at the Kmart layaway counter, wearing dirty clothes and worn-out boots. With him were three small children. He asked to pay something on his layaway bill because he knew he wouldn't be able to afford it all before Christmas. And then a mysterious woman stepped up to the counter. She told him, no, I'm paying for it. He just stood there and he looked at her and then he looked up at the clerk and said, is this a joke? The clerk said, I told him it wasn't and that she was going to pay for him. He just burst into tears. At Kmart stores across the country, Santa seemed to be getting some help. Anonymous donors are paying off strangers' layaway accounts, buying the Christmas gifts for other families who couldn't afford it, especially toys and children's clothes set aside by struggling parents. Before she left the store Tuesday evening, the Indianapolis woman in her mid-40s had paid the layaway orders for as many as 50 people. On her way out, she handed out $50 bills and paid for two carts of toys for a woman in line at the register. She was doing it in memory of her husband, who had just died. She said she, was going to be able to, she wasn't going to be able to spend the money and wanted to make people happy with it. The clerk said the woman did not identify herself and only asked people to remember Ben, an apparent reference to her husband. The store clerk went on to say, she had worked in retail for over 40 years and never seen anything like it. She said it was like an angel fell out of the sky and appeared in the store. Let me tell you what your calling is. You need to be an angel falling out of the sky, making a difference in somebody's life. This church is doing an incredible job in this city. You've not seen anything yet. You start looking for needs and meeting them. You start looking for people and loving them. This place is about to explode. Pathway? Pathway to what? Pathway to Jesus. Pathway to love. Pathway to loving people. God's not finished with you yet. 
Don't you look in the mirror and see that gray hair and think you're done. I look in the mirror and see my gray hair. I'm not talking and thinking about retirement. I'm thinking about refirement. How about you? Why don't you stand to your feet?